Hello and good morning. Welcome everybody to My Ed Tech Life. It is a pleasure to always be here with you. And thank you so much for taking some time out of your wonderful morning, whatever it is that you may be doing, maybe sipping on that first cup of coffee, you know, maybe having some breakfast, already getting ready to do your daddy duties and mommy duties and all that stuff. But if you found some time to be here with us today, thank you so much. I really appreciate your support here for our show that we do every Saturday. And today, we have a wonderful guest, amazing guest, and I really want you to pay attention to this gentleman's voice, Mr. Nessie's voice, that is really podcasty. I just told him that in the in the pre-show as we were talking, but I'm just very thankful for Mr. Nessie, uh, Chris Nessie, to make some time to be here with us, and he's going to talk to us about all the major projects, everything that he's working on, and we're going to pop in some very great resources for you educators that are out there or even non-educators that are looking for some great content to listen to, we're going to go ahead and pop those out. But as usual, thank you so much for being here. And I'm going to introduce you to Mr. Nessie. Thank you so much for being here, Chris. I really appreciate your time. I know that you're up there in the East Coast. Go ahead and tell our audience a little bit about yourself, what you do, as some of our audience members may not be too familiar um, you know, with who you are. But I really want them to connect with you because you do offer some great resources for them. So thank you so much. Chris, go ahead and let us know a little bit more about you. Thank you, Fonz. It's really a, a pleasure to be here. I was excited when you gave me the invitation and, and, and the offer to come on and share a little bit of me with you and you know your community and your audience. So I really appreciate it. Thanks so much. To, to start a little bit about me, I am, you know, I'm still Chris Nessie. I am a <laughs> high school social studies teacher and university professor here in the great state of New Jersey, where let's be honest, if it's happening in education, it's happening in New Jersey. <laughs> no offense to the other 49 states or the rest of the world, but New Jersey is the hotbed of awesomeness. So uh, again, high school social studies teacher, I've been teaching for over 10 years. I believe I'm entering my 13th year of excellence, as I like to say. And my passion inside of education is technology and the way it can enhance my ability to teach and how my students learn and what they can then go on and do with technology. Uh, in addition to being an educator, I am a husband and a father and a podcaster. I've been married for also over 10 years and I have two little boys, one who is eight going on 80 and one who is <laughs> four going on 18. Uh, if you've ever met my children, <laughs> you would understand exactly what I'm talking about. And in terms of podcasting, I am blessed to be the creator and host of the House of EdTech podcast, uh, also the co-host of Podcast PD and the founder of the Education Podcast Network. And here I am, 39 years old, no end in sight, and let, let's have some fun. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Chris. I really appreciate it. And, you know... I Going back to your comment about, you know, New Jersey East Coast, most of my guests, you know, lately have all been from the East Coast. So we definitely see that there is a lot of ed tech talent that is out there. And thank you so much for everything that you do. And just uh, just giving us that short little resume there, you know, and just really seeing the passion that you have for what you do and the craft as far as teaching is concerned and the how technology can help you enhance that teaching and enhance student learning and also for what you do as far as the the podcasting and 
of course, the Education Podcast Network, which we'll talk about in a little bit. So let's go ahead and just start talking just a little bit about EdTech. And of course, we all know, you know, March 13th or March 16th on, you know, a lot of stuff going on, uh, having to find some innovative ways to reach our students, uh, you know, during this time of uh, pandemic, remote learning, virtual learning, distance learning, uh, you know, so many words that are out there, a lot of the uh, you know, information that has been put out and teachers, you know, some of them right now are kind of what's going to happen, uncertainties, things of those sorts, or things of that sort. So, you know, what is it that that you're seeing on, uh, as far as on your side there in the East Coast? What are some of the things through, through your lens that you have seen that EdTech has been able to help or maybe some things that you still see are some barriers with EdTech and just to give us just your, your perspective on that. Well, if we go back to the middle of March and really through the end of the year, I I'll be completely honest. I saw a lot of chaos, <laughs> a mm -hmm. lot of fear, a lot of, you know, uncertainty. And at the same time, I saw a lot of resilience and a lot of innovation and some productive struggle. At least, you know, you, you know, from myself, from the, the teachers that I work with in, in, in my school and obviously being, you know, connected on Twitter and, you know, through the podcast and connecting with all types of people all over the place. You know, those are the things that I see that, yeah, there's, you know, times got tough, but teachers, you know, we, we shined teachers worked harder than ever before. And as I, I said to friends and, and family and colleagues, you know, there's nobody who can say, here's here's what you got to do. Here's the magic pill of how we're going to make this work. Because yeah. literally, let me put the history hat on. There's nobody on this planet who experienced what happened back in, you know, 1918 with the Spanish flu. There's nobody who experienced education at that point. And obviously education is a little bit different than it was a hundred years ago, but maybe we, we could talk about how it's similar on another episode. <laughs> No, yeah, for sure. And, and I, I love what you said there as far as resiliency. We did see a lot of that. And, uh, you know, for example, here in our district, you know, being an instructional technologist, just to be able to see teachers be very proactive, I mean, within the scope, because we, we weren't sure here in our here in Texas, we weren't sure what was going to happen. But the fact that teachers just really we had a plan in place and they were very proactive that even during their spring break, there were attending trainings that I was holding to prepare, and that really helped out significantly as we had to shift from, you know, regular school building, school day, brick and mortar to virtual uh, learning and that environment. So you did see, of course, you know, some barriers, some of the little, you know, hiccups here and there. But again, it was like you said, it's a first for everybody. Nobody had ever experienced this, but I, I do want to give a shout out to all the educators out there, even administrators. This was a first for everyone. And thank you for everything that you've done, you know, to be able to help and uh, help our students still continue to go on with their learning. And now this is a learning experience for us as we move forward. So I'm excited. You know, there's definitely a lot of opportunities. A lot of teachers have been really building up their skill sets. And so resources are something that are wonderful. Now, let's talk just a little bit about EdTech tools, Chris, in your mind and in your practice, being an educator, you know, during this time, um, you know, and I know that listeners can listen to to your shows here where you do talk a lot of uh, specific apps, but what were some of the, the, I guess, the better tools that you use to help your practice during this time 
of remote learning that may possibly help some of our educators that are out there looking for resources. First and foremost, I have to shout out the tool we're using right now to do this broadcast, and that is StreamYard. StreamYard was paramount to what I did at the high school level and also the university level, because this platform for free, although I pay for it now, <laughs> allows me, and you're experiencing this now, to, to be able to go live and have face-to-face -face interaction. I didn't have to deal with Zoom bombing or Google Meet bombing because broadcasting here live to YouTube, I control everything. There's that part of my personality that I need to be in control, you know, <laughs> as, as a podcaster. So this tool allowed me to go live with private streams, put the links in my Google Classroom, and use a platform that my students understood. You know, what kid at any age level hasn't watched a YouTube video? And now they can see me. There's a way to bring them on and participate and engage them and take advantage of the chat features and functions and pull up questions and comments. And my students at both levels really appreciated it. I, I saw a big difference with what I did going virtual at the college level, because I had a lot of my college students tell me, you know, you know, professor, and I love when they call me professor because <laughs> that's just, it feels good. You know, they're like, professor, you know, this class has been really engaging. I, I, teach, a I teach hybrid courses. So we usually meet once a week for 80 minutes and then the rest is online. And they were like, so many of my other classes, the professors, they just gave up. Here's the rest of your work. Here's the due dates. And, and that's it. Wow. Whereas I'm getting online and doing like a show where I'd be like, hey, it's Tuesday. It's six o'clock and you're here for leadership in digital context. I'm your and do the whole thing. And you bring them on, you engage them. And, and this platform allowed me to tap into something that besides education technology, I'm super and hyper aware of. And that's treating people like students, like human beings and realizing that not only am I as a, as a teacher and professional dealing with what's going on in the world, whether we're talking about, you know, health and pandemic or what's going on in, in society with, you know, human beings and how we treat each other. It was just really important to remember that they've all got more going on than what's the assignment. What am I supposed to read? What am I supposed to listen to? Or what's my homework? There's so much more going on. And to provide a place and a format and a platform where they could feel safe, again, at both levels, yes. to engage and express themselves and still get that interaction with, again, I like to think I care about the students I work with, to still be able to interact with me. you know. And I know that a lot of kids everywhere got that experience through Zoom or Google Meet. But this platform allowed me to really get, I think, productive face-to-face -face interaction with my kids. And that was super important. Uh, in, in terms of curriculum, I mean, it got to a point in the spring where I abandoned my ninth grade world history curriculum and I just still integrated technology where I afforded my students the opportunity to document their experience right now. Again, with that history teacher hat on, we look a lot in my class at primary source documents and we do a lot of document-based questions and we're analyzing texts. Mm -hmm. So I just made the point to say, you know, anything we've looked at, any of these sources we looked at, it's old, rich, white dudes. You don't hear a lot of the female perspective. You don't get a lot of the minority or 
people of color perspective in historical documents, unless you're really looking for it. And you certainly don't get the perspective of young people. So for seven weeks, I had my students create content by either blogging, podcasting, or creating video content to just document their life where I threw tools at them like Anchor and StreamYard and apps on their phones that they could use to edit video. And I threw a couple of blogging platforms out there. Uh, and even when as simple as you can just use Google Docs and share a document with me and just you know put pictures in the docs. So a lot of these tech skills, but I wanted them to just document what they did. So a lot of times, you know, people like yourself or other things I've appeared on, they'll say, you know, what's this like one magic tool or what are some of your favorite tools? It's not about the tools. It's about having a diverse toolbox where you can explore and try and do different things. You know, what, when I go into my garage of ed tech, which is on the other side of the wall, you can't see, <laughs> you know, I, I, I tinker, I do DIY stuff and you got to use the right tool for the right job, or you have multiple tools available. So the only tool that I'm like, yeah, you got to jump on this for virtual learning would be something like StreamYard. Everything else that we want to do, whether it's Flipgrid or Wakelet or Instagram or TikTok, which I had a lot of fun with TikTok this year, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it's not about any one tool. It's the skills the tools provide you. So that way, when the tool goes away or they decide to charge you and teachers don't want to pay for it, you've got the skills to then use something else. So that's my long-winded answer. No, that is an amazing answer. And I, I, I completely agree with you in that response because, you know, there isn't a one one tool, you know, to, to solve everything, like you said. And I really enjoyed what you said about the skills, you know, building those skills with, for our students. And it's, again, being able to get put technology in their hands and have them be creators instead of just being consumers uh, is something that is wonderful because it's going to prepare them, like you said, for maybe when that app starts charging, they can find a very creative way of still continuing that process. And maybe they may come up with their own solutions, but they're ready and they can transition into anything. So I think that's something that is very important, always giving the student the opportunity to create and not just consume, consume, consume. Uh, there was a very interesting question uh, that popped in, and I'm going to pop it in one more time, you know, and it's uh, this one by uh, Mary Manzano. Thank you so much for joining us. And uh, has this ever happened to you? It says, being an early adopter of EdTech, have you ever been tempted to say, I told you so, to some school leaders, you know, regarding adoption during this time? <laughs> has that ever popped up, Chris, or maybe just even with a colleague or uh, anybody that you may work with? <laughs> Sure it has because I'm a human being and you know, I've been right on a few things. Uh, just don't ask my wife because she'll let you know that I'm wrong on most. Um, but yeah, Mary, absolutely. Uh, sure. It, it depends on who I'm talking to. Like, you know, if my superintendent is happens to be in my presence, I'm not going to, you know, rag on him for decisions he, he makes or, you know, my principal or something like that. Uh, but, but colleagues, again, it depends on who I'm talking to, but yeah, I've definitely said, told you so. <laughs> And it's just one of those things that, that occurs. But yeah, so thank you for that perspective. And I, I just really thank you too, you know, just as teachers are looking for ways to be able to prepare for this uh, school year and just the way that you handled your class and having the students document and you, you put tools in their hands to see what they can come up with. And I'm sure that they came up with some really amazing, unique things that are personal. And again, they take ownership, they invest in, themselves in it. So that's something that is wonderful and something that I think we need to see a little bit more of as far as the student-centered approach 
where they take that ownership. So that's really awesome that, that you do that. Uh, it, so it's amazing. I mean, yeah. you know, to, to be able to real, I learned more about my students when we were virtual than I was able to, when we were face to face, I had students who really thrived with that project. And mm-hmm. I don't even like to think of it as a project, but I mean, that's what it was in the gray book, but they really thrived <laughs> where I had students who I really got to hear their voice, yes. you know, sometimes literally, yes. and they, they weren't super engaged or willing to participate outwardly when we were in class, but they took to blogging. They, they thrived when recording podcast episodes and, you know, talking to family and recording that they, they just, it, it was, I mean, my heart grew for them. Yes. You know, I, I cared about them and I was worried about them, you know, going through all of this, but they, they, it was just amazing to see and hear what they were able to do and, and to really connect with them. And I know that if I have the opportunity to hear from them over the rest of their high school career, which I will, and, and even beyond, because once my student, always my student, always. I know that they will look back and be like, yeah, Mr. Nessie helped me out. That is awesome. And and I love that. That takes me back to when I was still in the classroom, like you said, you know, you know I would use technology. Uh, I, I had the Chromebook out. I was that one teacher that checked out the Chromebook out all year long. I would go in there at the beginning of every week and sign it out from the librarian. And it was, it just lived in my classroom and I had it every single day and we would implement just, you know, a layer and so on for presentations and so on. But one thing that you said, you know, you have some students that maybe aren't too vocal, but when I put a Chromebook in front of them and they created a slide presentation or they created a video, oh my goodness, they, they spoke loudly, they spoke clearly. And, uh, and I'm not talking about just verbally, I'm talking about, you, you know, just their knowledge of the subject matter. And they were able to, you know, put that on this digital, you know, document and just project it and just show the world like, hey, check out my understanding. But they had these skills that of if I had never put maybe that tool in their hand, nobody would ever know, or maybe they would have never participated. And like you said, that feeling of, your heart growing. And because this was a, a young lady, fifth grade, she was in there, she was very quiet, but when she would create her presentations, create, uh, you know, all of these projects, I mean, I was just, my jaw would drop at the quality and how just well-versed she was, not only with the technology, but like I said, making those connections. And I had a guest, uh, I think it was about four weeks ago or three weeks ago, Pedro Aparicio from Mexico, uh, big shout out to Pedro. Saludos a Pedro, eh, Innovador de Mexico. So he he he's saying the exact same thing that you said, that even during this time of remote learning, he his classroom, he got to know his students. The community, the classroom community grew. You really got to know who they were because he said over there in Mexico that they, they have to wear school uniform, but here they were at home. So the, you know, the boys would have their favorite soccer jerseys on. Uh, the, you know, girls would have maybe you know, just something shirts, they can see the, the, their uh, mascots and uh, pets and, you know, so on. So he was able to connect with them at that level. And he said that it was probably one of the most amazing experiences that he ever had. And he's been teaching for 20, 20 plus years, but this is the time that he really got to know his students, because as we know, you know, we have curriculum that we have to do deadlines, state testing, and you just go, 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 go. And you think, you know, your students, you know them, you see them every day, but you, now you get to that 
kind of personal level and getting to know them and their interests. And like you said, you get to hear their voice. And I think that's something that's great. And it's it definitely would fill any teacher's heart to have that experience, Chris. So thank you for sharing that because that's awesome. And, and you, you had mentioned like, you know, seeing like your kids, like when they're like, or, or that, that former guest with like seeing the kids like in regular clothes mm-hmm. and you know, their rooms and get to know them, you know, e- even for like, you know, you and me, or my, my kids got to see, you know, the, the stuff that I have behind me or, you know, every teacher who's got kids at some point talks about their own children with their students. So the few times where, yeah, I'm doing a live stream for my kids and my own kids walk in the room and they can see and interact, you know, w- with my own kids. So again, people being people, treating people like people. Oh, I love that. That's awesome. That is an awesome little soundbite right there that I'll probably end up using. And yeah, we, we just forget about that so many times, you know, and, and again, it's, it's something that's very important, building those relationships. And that's something that to me was one of the most important things when I became a teacher. Now, I know pre-show we were talking, you know, Bruce was in here with us and talking about uh, educators or, you know, uh, encouraging people to go into education. Uh, I never wanted to go into education. When I got out of high school, I was like, I never want to be a teacher. And I don't know what it was. I just saw a lot of my friends uh, that were going to uh, college and they were all becoming teachers. And I was like, I don't want to become a teacher. So I said, you know what, I'm going to go into business. So I have a, a degree in business administration and uh, marketing is my, my uh, specialization. So I did that for a while, did about that about two years, two and a half years. And then uh, uh, some personal stuff happened, you know, family matters, health, uh, you know, with my dad. And so I had to spend more time than the job that I was at was really taking up that much time. And it, it was a very important time uh, for to be with my dad during that, uh, you know, that phase that he was going through. So I found a job as an educator and I went in not no experience whatsoever, never taught. I got an emergency certificate to go in. I got hired to be a math teacher because, you know, I had taken 24 hours of math, you know, so it was a business math, business algebra, calculus and all of that. So they're like, okay, you're pretty, pretty much qualified, you know, to go ahead and do some math. And so went in there, they gave me a binder with transparencies and just said, here you go. And I was like, wait a minute. So, but, but what do I do? So to me, I reverted back to my marketing and what I learned. The first thing is you always know your customer. So I just ended up building relationships with every single one of my students before I even taught anything. It was always that handshake at the door. How are you doing? How have you been? Talk a little bit. And then I, it gave me a way to know every single one of my students that were in there so I can sell the algebra to them in the way that they're going to learn because not everybody's going to buy my product if I just go and teach it the same way the book says not everybody's going to buy it that way. So I had to personalize that learning, but the relationship was very important to me. And 11 years later in the classroom, when I transitioned from high school to elementary, the same rules apply. Like you said, it's just people treating other people you know, just being genuine with them, caring and building those relationships. And that really builds a wonderful community within your classroom that'll help you, you know, in at any given time, you know, especially during remote learning or even when you're in the classroom, relationships, I can't stress that enough, are very important. So thanks. Yeah. To, to further compare it to your, you know, your business background and and the world of business, you know, it, it's 
the difference between how you get treated as a customer from insert big fortune 500 yeah. company versus mom and pop business on main street. What type of relationship will you have with customer service? And, you know, you walk into the mom and pop shop, they're, they're going to know you. It's like going to cheers. Everybody's going to know your name <laughs> and you feel welcome. You feel a part of something. Whereas, you know, if I go to the big box store, I'm just a credit card number and somebody who shows up, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, I agree with you. I agree with you. So yeah, that's a very, uh, very great example there. And so, yeah, so always make it, make it, make them feel homey guys. I seriously just really talk to your kids. And especially now, you know, it, it, school is a place where they went to socialize and now a lot of them are at home. So just make that effort, you know, get them connected with their classmates, connect with them too, as well, you know, and just, uh, just like when you get on those class meetings, when you get on these virtual mm -hmm. meetings, don't just go live and get right into your content because in the classroom, we've all had to settle down our classes because, you know, they're talking yeah. about this or what happened in the hallway or what happened at lunch. So I think we need to build in actual social time because that might be the only opportunity where they get to see people, you know, during this remote time, or if they're not, as we go into fall 2020, if they're not in the, in the same, you know, cohort as their best friend. Maybe they're only really seeing right. them on FaceTime or video chats and uh, you should build in some of that just water cooler talk as I'm going to talk yeah. in the fall. <laughs> there you go. I like that. Well, that's awesome, Chris. So let's go ahead and just kind of move over now also to the, some of the podcasting. Let's talk about podcasting and how, first of all, just maybe give us a little bit of a brief background as to how you yourself started in podcasting. What was your inspiration? What how did you catch that podcasting, uh, you know, bug, I guess you'd say to help you go net to be where you're at now. Like any man who does something good, it's because of his wife. So back in the fall of 2013, uh, my wife, Caitlin, who is a high school librarian, also in education, she basically told me in like October or November, she's like, you know, education, technology, education, you put it all, you put it all. You put it all up on a pedestal and you know, you don't shut up about it. I love education to a point, but I don't want to hear you talk about this stuff anymore. You should start a podcast, go teach yourself how to do it. You love technology, go figure it out. And I did, I listened to podcasts about podcasting in, you know, November and December and put into place me launching what I almost immediately decided to call the house of ed tech. And in January, January 5th of 2014, episode one went live and I was inspired by my wife to do it. I was also at a point where having been a connected educator, you know, I was on Twitter in early 2009, I got to a point where I was tired of retweeting other people's voices and ideas because it was the same voices. It was the same blogs. There wasn't a lot of people putting themselves out there. And I thought to myself, self, you have no shortage of opinion and ideas, and you have a unique perspective on the world and you have a point of view and your experiences have shaped who you are and where you are. And nobody else has had that experience. Press record and share what you're passionate about. So that's what I do with house of ed tech. I talk about technology. I talk about how it impacts my teaching. I give other people the opportunity to come on just like you to talk about how things have impacted their classrooms and their schools. Uh, I've also spoken to the, the people who make the tech and the innovators out there from these companies. 
And it's just been a wonderful experience to contribute and create something that didn't exist and only exists when I press record and press publish. And it's something that has kind of become a side thing where I think everybody should try it. And, you know, if we're going to ask our students to blog or create videos or create podcasts, we should try it. I'm not saying everybody needs to do what I did or what so many other people do. And that's create something that's going to just go on and on and on, but try to do it, go through the process, have that, as I mentioned before, have that productive struggle. You know, if we're going to ask our kids to do it, we should try it. And, you know, I, I wouldn't change anything about my show. I, I, I like to joke as we're recording this, uh, I'm going to get ready to release episode 160. And I apologize for the first 159 because <laughs> I've always learned something new. I'm always learning. I'm, I'm almost drowning in podcasts and editing audio and, but, but in a good way where I want to learn and perfect and keep sharpening my sword to create content that people want to consume because, you know, that relationship that I have with listeners is super intimate, not in a creepy way, but kind of because it's just me and whoever's listening. I don't know too many people who sit around in a group and listen to a podcast. You know, it's not like the 1940s where we would sit around and listen to the radio and little yeah. orphan Annie, you know, the, you know, the radio programs, but it's, I have great respect for my audience. I have great respect for myself and the content that I create. And again, I, I love and have loved every minute of doing this. That is awesome. That That's great. And, uh, you know, just your passion, you know, just really comes through and just the work that you've put in and we'll, we'll share, we've been sharing your sites here with our audience. So that way they can go ahead and check that out too, as well. And uh, so let's talk uh, here a little bit and we'll come back to that. But I'd like to address this question. We have Mary Manzano here. How does one become part of the education podcast network? Number one, have a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Number two, if you go to edupodcastnetwork.com, there in the menu bar on the website, there is a button to, uh, to join the network. And there's an application process that starts with a Google form where you let me know about your podcast. And I am the, the, the whole army behind it. So I, I am the one who makes the decision. I go and rate, uh, not rate. I go and review your podcast. I listen to episodes. I check out uh, your podcast, the website, your, your presence on social. And I take into account how you answer the questions, but it's it, it's super simple to apply to be considered. Not everybody gets in. Um, so let me just put that out there because if you click on uh, our shows, it's not every education podcast that's out there. So I am looking for a certain level of quality in terms of production and topics. So the ones that I'm favoring currently are those education podcasts that are subject specific. So if your podcast is about math or social studies or something really specific, I'm really looking for those types of podcasts currently. Um, and then for other podcasts that are, you know, I don't want to say generic, but more broad, you know, you, you've really got to, to stand out, but it starts with edupodcastnetwork.com and click on join the EPN. 
Awesome. There you go. And notice the wonderful resources that he has here, all the shows that are connected. I mean, you've got Google Teacher Podcast, Educational Duct Tape, you've got EdTech Bytes, um, you know, Get Inspired. And so go check out uh, those site or his site, you know, and then get some information here. Join the EPN and you've got some info here that Chris puts out there for you guys. That way, those of you that are interested in becoming part of the Education Podcast Network. So going back, you know, very similar way, like you were saying, uh, Chris, is, uh, you know, the idea behind the show was something like also just three years ago where I just kind of had an idea in my head and, you know, just I never thought that it would come to fruition until now. Like you said, you just kind of have to just jump on it. You know, you you want to share with people, you know, your passion. You want to, you know, just like you said, you want to build that relationship with your audience and you want to bring them something that is personal to you and you're really opening yourself up and, you know, putting yourself out there because there may be zero listeners. There may be one, there may be, you know, thousands, like we see, you know, people here in the EPN network. Uh, but for myself, it was just, I, you mentioned something that really stood out and we talked about it earlier, you know, pre-show was being a connected educator. <clears throat> you yourself said you were on Twitter you were being connected, you were connecting there, you know, retweeting and, you know, sharing other people's voices and so on. And then you just got inspired and say, you know what, let me go ahead and put something out there. And, uh, you know, like we were talking earlier, the importance of being a connected educator for me in kind of that sense that you're saying is for me, I was able to connect with such wonderful educators from the time that I was on Twitter that I didn't even know what could be in a connected educator was. I was just putting content out and just getting followers, but I never really connect it with anybody. I was just putting stuff out there until, you know, this last year and a half when I had uh, uh, my college professor for during my master's course, we had a course where we had to connect, we had to curate data and or information. And uh, <clears throat> then I really understood what being a connected educator was. And it was just the same thing applies to build those relationships, build those connections. And now I like to call it my PLF, uh, you know, my professional learning family, where I want to give back to the education community. And I look for people that inspire me, people that have helped me out along the way, people that are doing innovative things. And so instead of just me putting stuff out there too, I was like, you know what, I want to invite these people here on the show, because I want other educators to connect with them. Because if I found value in what I've learned from them, as you say, we're just continually learning. I want others to also gain that knowledge, connect, to be able to be part of that professional learning community, and so they can continue to grow. So being a connected educator, I really highly recommend it because those relationships and, and those uh, you know connections that you make are can be very fruitful in, in the long run as far as collaboration and uh, just getting to meet, you know, here, like, for example, I have Chris on the show, and, you know, I'm just like, wow. You know, this is the power of being a connected educator. And, uh, you know, I really thank Chris for sharing his story too there as well. And so that's really amazing. And, you know, kudos to your wife too for pushing you because like you said too, it's like my wife is the same way. I talk, I talk, you know, all things ed tech and everything. And she's like, just do it. Go out there, put yourself out there. And uh, so it's been great. So thank you, Chris, also for just being an inspiration and being here on the show and, uh, you know, tell us a little bit more about uh, House of EdTech, you know, as far as podcasting is concerned, you know, recently, you know, what, what have your show, what can people uh, who go and find House of EdTech Ed expect from 
uh, the show. So for many years, I did a lot of interviews and then, you know, as any podcaster will tell you, sometimes life gets in the way. So teaching high school by day and college by night and being married and being a father, uh, I'd say over the last couple of years, I've done less interviews. So a lot of the content on the podcast really stems from what's going on up here in my head and things I'm reading and trying. So in, in, in a typical episode, uh, you will hear what I call my EdTech thought, which is the little corner of a show or an episode where I can talk about anything that I want because it's my show and I'll do what I want. If you don't like <laughs> it, don't listen. Then I will have what I you know, I'll call featured content where again, based on what I'm reading, what I'm consuming, what I'm learning, or what I have questions about, or what I have ideas about, I will kind of put that together in a longer form segment. I have, you know, a VIP where based on who I'm connected with, again, I want, I'm, I'm like a matchmaker. So I want to help people connect with other valuable people. So there's a little area of the show where I have the house of EdTech VIP, where I will, you know, basically internet stalk somebody that I'm connected with and give their bio and you know how you can connect with them on Twitter or what's their website or what are the great things that they're doing that I'm connecting with. And I think you as a listener would find value in, um, I want on my episodes, I want to give people the opportunity to share their stories. So if it's not a formal interview, it's, you know, go to the house of ed tech flip grid or leave a voice message you know, any podcast that you listen to, if you're listening to podcasts and the hosts are asking for feedback and they want you beyond rating and reviewing the podcast, but they want you to call their feedback line or email them or engage, do it. That puts gas in our tank. You know, yeah. Fonza, as you're doing this show, you know, you're, you're getting people commenting here on the live stream. As you continue to do this, the more you get people to show up and participate, you, that's going to fill your heart yeah. with such joy to know that people are literally watching you live, which could sometimes be scary. And there's a certain <laughs> joy to that, but to be able to put comments on the screen or put audio clips in the podcast, I love doing that. Uh, I love again for, for my podcast, I am learner zero, similar to patient zero. When you yeah. look at a disease, current events, ex, you know, not important right now, but I'm the first learner. So I create each episode for me. What am I, what do I want to learn? What do I want to hear? And then I want to know what other people want to learn again. And the whole thing focuses on technology and how that can impact your teaching, what your students use, how your school operates. And it, it just, you know, goes from there. And, and the whole thing is, you know, I say this in every episode, using technology is not difficult. Just give it a try. You know, when I, when I do professional development, I let people know, and I let students know you're not going to break it. If you break Google, Google's going to call you and give you a job. If you did something that broke something that they create, you know, to, so everything you can do control Z, you can undo. I mean, most things you don't even have to click save anymore. There's no save button. So there's no harm in trying. And again, it goes back to that mindset of we ask our students to try new things. And we tell our kids all the time, it's okay to fail, make a mistake. The classroom is a safe place to learn. And we got a lot of teachers who are hypocrites and are not willing to do the same things. You know, we have teachers out there who are afraid to say, I don't know. That's my favorite thing to say in the classroom. Yes. I don't know. Let's look it up or I'll look it up later. Or you look it up. Let's, let's continue the conversation. You know, I'm not, I mean, you call me an expert at the start. I'm not an expert. I've just 
been doing something more than some other people have been doing it. You know, it's not about being an expert or a guru. It's about trying and talking and sharing that experience, you know, in my classroom or anywhere I go, I'm not the smartest person in the room by any stretch. Again, ask my wife <laughs> together. The room is super intelligent, you know, and, and college kids look at me cross-eyed when I tell them I'm not the smartest person here. They're like, wait, what? That, that, I thought that's what I'm paying for. No, that's not what you're paying for. I'm going to give you an experience and we're going to share and collaborate and communicate. And we're going to critically think. And that's what it's all going to be about. That is awesome. <laughs> that is wonderful. I really, I, I'm, I'm inspired. And like you said, like this and, and learning. And, and to me, this is one-on-one -on -one PD for me, because I'm getting to listen to you and picking your brain and uh, jotting down notes and so on. But this is the, this is the whole purpose too, to create this experience for our audience that's listening right now, that's watching, or they're going to listen to the podcast later on or watch the live stream again. Like, this is what it's about. You know, you're still continuing to be honest, Fonz, I, I, Again, podcast me. So I, I'm sorry to cut you off. <laughs> no, no, it's okay. <laughs> for, for people listening to this, you know, I, I don't say this because I'm a braggart or, you know, I'm, I'm pompous, but you should be inspired by the things I say. And if you're not, don't teach. If you're, if you don't have the same passion and the same energy to do these things for yourself and with your students in your classroom, get the F out, go do something else. Because if you're not bringing in excitement to your school and your classroom and your students, you're wasting your time. More importantly, you're wasting your students' time. Nice. Walks away. <laughs> hey, there you go, guys. Hey, you heard it. I mean, you really, you really have to have that level of passion too, and be willing to step outside the box and try new things. And like you said, you know, you can't just expect somebody to do something without you yourself doing it first or experiencing that, and then just really, you know, getting filled with that too. And so I think that's something that's very inspirational. And sometimes, you know, the truth, truth, <laughs> truth hurts sometimes. <laughs> you know. And and, so. and as my dad would say, and another thing. Just let me frame that just so I don't sound like a complete jackass. <laughs> <laughs> I've wanted to teach since I was 16, 17 years old. And the road I had to take to get into the classroom was not traditional. You know, I went through my undergrad, you know, I started out wanting to be a math teacher and my dad's a high school math teacher still towards the end of his career. But he told me, he's like, son, yeah you can't afford to take all these college math classes twice, which I was taking them, failing them during the year. And he would tutor me and I would retake them in the summer, but he's like, you, you need to figure something else out. So I switched to history and I do, as my wife, uh, I pointed out earlier, I do put education on a pedestal. I think very highly of what this profession means and what it stands for. And I think highly of myself, you know, when I broke in and I was a substitute teacher, I was like the best substitute teacher because I, I cared. And I mean, I've seen some really bad substitute teachers, no offense to subs, but you know, some people are literally there reading the newspaper, you know, and I knew what I wanted to do and, you know, to come out of my undergrad and not be a certified teacher after, you know, five years, cause I changed my major, not because I'm dumb, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I had to, you know, go into the quote unquote real world and I had to get, you know, a a quote unquote real job. And I had to go back to school to get my teaching certification. So I didn't just do it traditionally. I'm not alternate route, 
and not, not that there's anything wrong with that. If you've got the passion, you've got the will and the desire. I don't care how you get into the classroom because you better bring your A game yes. every freaking day. So I, I do, again, I, I hope my passion comes through to, to not only you, but also to your listener. No, and that's perfect. You know, I, com- I completely agree with you. It, it is something that you have to have that passion for. And like you said, you have to bring it every day, you know, and because you're, you're there for your students, you know, they look up to you. And again, some of the things that you mentioned earlier too, as well, it's, it's okay to say, I don't know. Many times I found myself in that, and I'm talking to, to fifth graders when I was teaching fifth graders, they're like, what do you mean, Mr. Mendoza? You don't know. I was like, I, I don't know, but let's work it out and let's do this. And what I always told the teachers is, you know, some, you don't have to be too techie, just put the tech in their hand and learn together. You know, that to me, I think that was where I learned the most is learning from my students and of course, I always tell the story, you know, first period comes in, I saw something on social media that I want to try and I want to dive into. And I learn a little bit about it. And then I put that in their hands and then they kind of continue to push the envelope. So then I learn from them. So second block, I look a little bit better of an expert. And by the end of the day, I'm a full on expert, but I wasn't me learning. I learned it from them, you know, so they're the ones that taught me. And then we just continue that cycle. And I think that's something that's very important too, to just be honest with yourself and say, Hey, it's okay that you may not know it, but let's find out. Let's talk it over and have those conversations because again, you're just building up that community. And uh, I think that's something that's very powerful too, Chris. Um, so man, I, I just love it. I'm, I'm, this pumps me up. It, it pumps me up for now my position that I'm in, but also just being able to just get people like yourself that are just genuine and honest, bringing that passion and inspiring others and I'm very thankful for that, Chris, that you, you you agreed to come on our show and and just, you know, put yourself out there. And thank you so much. I really appreciate it. It's my pleasure. And and actually, if, if I could play co-host for a second, uh, Mary just made a great comment in the chat. Uh, and she said, you don't have to be techie to learn ed tech. You just have to be clicky. So click on it. Absolutely. You know, to make it even more broad, you know, you, you don't have to be great to start something, but you do have to start if you want to get great or get better at it. So again, don't be afraid to click on things and try things and, you know, go through again. I keep coming back to productive struggle. You know, yeah. sometimes you have to crash, burn and learn, you know, we fail forward. insert your phrase of choice, but <laughs> we can't just say these things. We need to actually live it and do it. And not just in the classroom, you know, try things outside of the classroom and your profession, you know, because it's the total package, the total experience of who we are as a person that is going to make the biggest impact and difference for what we do in the classroom as teachers. Awesome. Well, Chris, thank you so much for being here today. I really appreciate you taking the time. And again, this has been a valuable lesson for me. Again, it, it was to me, it's one-on-one PD for our audience members as well. I'm sure that they're going to be pumped up and inspired. And I did see some comments here where people are already like inspired to just go and podcast and you know, bring that to their, uh, to their schools and things of that sort. So that's something that is wonderful and amazing. So uh, also guys, thank you so much for being here today. What I'm going to do is I'm going to go ahead and every week I love to give away stickers. So guess what? I did restock on our holographic stickers here. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to select some winners. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to go ahead and put in a Google form in here. So go ahead and fill out that Google form. All right, for your chance to win some EdTech swag, and you will also get a personalized handwritten letter from me. Now, 
It may not be, you may think like, oh, personalized, but you know what? It's snail mail. I'm writing it. I'm personalizing. And just because that's the way I am, I'm not going to just go ahead and ship you something and then that's it. You know, I really care about every single one of you that are spending the time or taking the time to be here today on this show, just to hear what we're sharing, connecting with our educators and all our guests, look at the valuable resources uh, that they can be to you. So thank you so much, every single one of you for your support. And I'm also going to go ahead and share the My EdTech Life Wakelet uh, collection here where you can go ahead and catch all our previous shows. And later, right as soon as I finish this show, this show will be put up on our Wakelet collection where you can go ahead and share that. And if you love what uh, Chris was talking about, share the Wakelet collection, share the, the link on YouTube, subscribe to our channel also. That way you can go ahead and always uh, be notified of any upcoming shows. So again, guys, thank you so much for your support. And again, Chris, thank you. Thank you very much for just being very passionate. Thank you for everything that you're doing through podcasting, the uh, Education Podcast Network, and just what you're doing for your learning community, your, your students at the college level, your students at the high school level, and just for educators like myself that want to continue learning. Thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. Any parting words, my friend? I, of course, I'm a podcast. So yeah, I got to <laughs> I'll, I'll finish up with a, a couple of points. One, you're doing an amazing job with this. So I want to tell your audience. So you who's listening or watching right now, help the Fonz out. Go tell somebody else about this. Tell one other person to come out when he's live or show them how to subscribe to the podcast version of my ed tech life. Go tell one other person. That's your first homework assignment from Mr. Nessie. Number two, if you're not listening to the house of ed tech, go to chrisnessie.com slash go and make sure you are subscribed on your podcatcher of choice, but do the first thing first, go tell somebody else about what the Fonz is doing right here with this form of PD. It's awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Chris. I really appreciate that plug. And thank you, audience members, again, one more time. From the bottom of my heart, like I said, this is what our show is about. Just me being me, our guests being themselves, being real, and just bringing some genuine conversation to every single one of you to hopefully inspire you to continue to greatness. I mean, you all are already great, but this- Wait, just- I was supposed to be myself this whole time? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Thank you so much. All right, guys. Well, this is me signing off. Uh, Here's Chris over here on this side. Thank you so much for everything. And we'll see you next week on My Ed Tech Life, where we will have a wonderful show. We're going to be talking about vlogging and blogging with a wonderful guest. So stay tuned for that. And again, go ahead and hit that subscribe button, that like button. We'd really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Y'all take care. Be safe.